What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan, and I'm the host of the Butch Trek Podcast. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and please leave us a review. But before we dive in, I want to talk about our sponsor. Are you a business owner and struggling to manage the finances behind your business? Or maybe you're spending endless amounts of time trying to determine the overall financial direction. If so, I want to acknowledge my company, Financial Automation. Through the creation of custom financial dashboards to financial consulting to financial literacy education, we're committed to helping entrepreneurs take control of the finances behind their businesses. If you're interested in learning more, go to www.financialautomation.co and book your free strategy call. Now, onto the show. What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Trek Podcast here for the first second guest or second time a guest has been on, Ravi Abhivala. Ravi, how's it going, man? I'm doing awesome, man. Yeah, I got first, second time guest. First, uh, yeah, first, second time guest. Yeah. I don't know. I was, I was like, what is he saying? On first first oh. double guest, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, so last time we spoke, you had just moved to San Diego. Uh, I'm assuming scaling systems was a thing then, but it's even more so now. So kind of talk to myself and my audience, you know, what's changed? Because I know you have a 2.0 out now. 1.0 was out then, but now it's new and improved. So what changed, man? Yeah, man. Awesome question. Uh, everybody <clears throat> that's tuning in, thank you guys for lending me your ears. I, I seriously appreciate that. I know you guys can do anything else right now. And if you're coming back for the second time, that's even better. I hope I deliver for you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a lot has changed both in personal and professional life. I, we were actually, Brady and I were just talking about right before this. Uh, the I had just moved to San Diego when I did the last interview with him and I didn't have Wi-Fi in my house yet. So our first interview was outside of a Starbucks uh, down the road from my house. So um but yeah, so essentially, Scaling Systems 2.0 came out. So there's something, and I know your partner is inside Scaling Systems, and so he can kind of attest to this. One of the things that we talk about in SWS is selling before you create. And so for Scaling with Systems, a lot of the mistakes I see people make in entrepreneurship is they try to get this perfect product, perfect offer, perfect idea, like try to, try to get everything looking all good, right colors, right design, right website, right name. And then they go out to the marketplace and they try to pitch it or market it or sell it and nobody wants to buy it. And they just spent the past six weeks, months, years building something that nobody wants. And it's a nightmare. And there's a great book um, called That Will Never Work by the co- the, one of the co-founders of Netflix. And he talks about you know how different it was when he started Netflix to where we are now where you can get the bare minimums of a company, right, your LLC maybe a domain a name if you need it, um, and a website funnel using one of like click funnels or something like that in less than a day, in a few hours. Where back then you had to have all these different things. So essentially the idea behind it is that, and this is something that I teach inside scaling with systems, is why don't you identify a need in the marketplace, whether through your own uh, research methods or them coming to you, and once you identify that need, figure out a solution, and then charge people for that solution before you even have it figured out before you even build the solution itself, right? Because there's no better way to get, see if there's a need for what you have and see if there's a demand than people to pay you with their money, right? That's how people give real opinions, in my opinion, with their money. Someone gives yeah. me an opinion and just it's free, I, I could really give less shits about it, honestly. That's why I pay consultants and coaches, right? So that's what happened with Scaling with Systems. And I actually had sold, we had sold $100,000 worth of the program before I had created one video of it because I knew where people were, yeah. I knew where uh, where people wanted to be, and I knew I had done it multiple times. I, I created multiple six and seven figure businesses, and I knew I could teach it. So before I created one 
nanosecond of content, I sold about $100,000 worth of, it, of people into it. And I kept on saying, it's going to start in two weeks. It'll start in two weeks. It'll start in two weeks. And, um, then on like, like Saturday and Sunday, like, you know, in the Bible, I, I, you know, created the fucking course in about 48 <laughs> hours and it was rough. I mean, it was rough for sure. It was like, it wasn't that it wasn't like all pretty. I didn't have all the scalable systems, logos and designs, but it hit right to the point. And it was like, this is how you do it. This is the scripts. And it was just like, boom, boom, boom. I, there wasn't mm -hmm. any mindset stuff. It was just like, Hey, this is how you scale a company. And the results right off the bat were incredible. I mean, like really, really big. I mean, people hitting 100 six-figure months that were had their highest month ever before that was like $20,000, right? Right. So really, really some incredible testimonials. And then finally, you know, after about six months of that, I was like, all right, our price had moved from essentially $4,000 uh, up to five figures. And I was like, all right, people are expecting a little bit more now. They can't just get in there. And, and the content's so good that I was getting away with it, but I knew that I could deliver more. Um, and so without slowing anything down, I had a full team still running all of still doing sales lead generation about a week before I went to India for two weeks. Uh, I just like locked myself in my room, no showers, no gym, no eating. And I just <laughs> built out 2.0, which was like, I'm, you and I were talked about, we're on, we're ramping sales teams now for other companies. And so like, right. uh, I was building out my sales training for them. And I said, if 1.0 was a BMW, 2.0 is a Lamborghini parked on top of a, a yacht underneath a uh, helicopter. It's like what I explained as 2.0 to people. So uh, a lot more in there, a lot more paid yeah. traffic. Um, there's a lot more mindset stuff inside of there, more scripts, more pitch decks, more up-to-date methods, whatever it is. And even right now, I mean, your viewers won't be able to see it, but I know you can see my whiteboard behind me. I'm working on even a 3.0, right? I'm just like right. I'm continuously updating and evolving because there's a lot of this when it comes to scaling, growing, advertising, marketing, and lead generation, there's a lot of core fundamentals that won't change over time. And I try to teach that as like my main stuff inside scaling with systems. Like here are the core fundamentals of lead generation, of building a business, of removing yourself. But then there's just like new softwares and new products and new offers and new messaging that will change with the time, the industries, COVID, not COVID, whatever it is. And so those are the things that I'm mostly updating when I do like these 2.0, 3.0 versions. Right, right. Yeah, and you hit on a lot there. When, when I had first interviewed you, you were my sixth episode and I had just started the podcast. So I was new to the whole entrepreneurial world. I just was starting a podcast just because I thought I wanted to, but it's blossomed into hitting top 50 for entrepreneurship in America. Now I have my own business with John Trustee, who's in scaling systems. But when we first spoke, you mentioned, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know more than a select group of people, which I believe, I haven't read the slight edge, but I'm assuming it kind of comes from that whole concept of having that slight edge over someone else. So someone's going to pay you for your information. So that really hit me because I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm in finance. I don't know everything about finance. There's so many more people that are smarter than me, but people pay me that don't have my knowledge yet. So how huge is that for people who want to scale a business to not think, hey, I have to know everything before I can even sell something? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And a few things are based on what you said. First of all, actually not Slide Edge, it was Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. Okay, got, I got it. That from. Got so it. awesome book, uh, highly recommend it. It talks about selling your knowledge online. Second thing is what you had said was pretty funny. You know, you don't know everything about finance and there's a lot of smart other people. I would say that majority of finance people don't know what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to finances. <laughs> uh, if you listen, if you read uh, Tony Robbins, um, Money Master the Game, like or Unshakable, it, it, the if you look at and we won't go really oh I guess fuck it is a finance podcast yeah let's do it. like if you look at like mutual funds and and um, and indexes and you try to compare like you know the top 
quote unquote investment firms, hedge funds, whatever it is, and you try to ma match them up against the S&P 500 as far as like uh, performance is concerned and return on investment over the past hundred years, it was something crazy. Like it beats out um, investment funds like 99% of the time. It's like it just like average dollar cost averaging into the S&P 500 yeah. every single month beats out most of these money managers and financiers 99% uh, of the time. And on top of that, there's no fees, right? Like I use Schwab, I invest a significant amount of money, dollar cost averaging every single month in the S&P and a few other indexes. And um, so the first point I say is like, you know, even the experts, we have a joke inside scaling systems because we dealt with so many advertising agencies too. It's like, you know, there's no real such thing as a Facebook ads expert or a Google ads right. expert. I don't think there's no any experts out there, honestly. But, um, so yeah, so the first thing you need to dispel out of your head is that like that these these people out here that are better than you because there's also a lot of people out there that are claiming that they're better than you that you're mm -hmm. probably better than them, but right. they're just louder than you, and that's right. That's the truth of the matter, right? They're just louder than you, and that's why lead generation and sales is so important because you could have the best product or service in the world, but if no one knows who you are, then it doesn't fucking matter. Exactly. The other guys that are offering a shittier solution, they're louder, so they're getting paid. So it's almost your obligation to be louder and do lead generation so that you can help them to close more people so you can actually give them a good product, a good service, right? Exactly. That's how Scaling Systems was created because I went through a shitty program. But, uh, but yeah, uh, based on your question, it's pivotal to understand in any kind of business that you're, you're never gonna have perfect, nothing's ever gonna be perfect, right? Just like I said earlier, and you're never gonna have all the knowledge you need to make a decision or, or start selling something. And the only real way to get real knowledge is through actual experience, right, and application. And so it's just like kind of chicken and the egg thing where it's like, well, I can't get knowledge until I work with somebody and I can't work with somebody until I have enough knowledge to sell them on it. Right. So it's like this kind of back and forth thing that I do recognize. But in reality, I, I just had um, uh, my coaching call together with systems. There's a gentleman inside of there. He's running a podcast accelerator, helping people with podcasts that have like, I think he said his target market is about 500 downloads and turning and monetizing it so they're able to make money from it mm -hmm. uh, every episode. He's worked with Cox. He's worked with some really big brands. And uh, he was having kind of the same questions as well. Like, hey, I've done this for myself, but I don't know, like, how do I tell the people? He kind of had the imposter syndrome thing. Right. And I just said something similar. Like, look, there's always some people that know more than you. There's always people that know less than you. As long as you're like, like me, like 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, as long as you're continuously adapting and you're really certain that if someone gave you money, you'd be able to deliver on it, then I think it's almost your obligation to be able to go out there and help other people kind of learn what you essentially know. And that's why I like your podcast and other kind of really cool niche podcasts like this as well is like, you know, I then, you know, so you know, Jeff, right? My roommate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've so, interviewed him. Yeah. Cool. So I didn't know anything about the S and P 500 or dollar cost averaging, whatever it is. And we're in Medellin, Colombia and you know, I'm making a good bit of money every single month and I'm like doing anything with it. Right. I'm just like, I was making the money. Right. And he's like, you should be investing in stocks. I was like, look, man, I don't, stocks to me was this whole like esoterical, like complicated yeah. thing. And then he showed me how to set up a Schwab brokerage account and dollar and pulls from my bank every single month, twice a month. And now I like haven't touched it other than to increase it in over a year now. And so if I didn't have someone like him that was a little more accessible and understandable to know that, then I wouldn't have been making money in the stock market and adding to the stock market and have compound interest over the past year. Exactly. So you really got to owe it, even if there's these bigger people than you, you got to owe it to your target market, your demographic, whatever it is, to sell your knowledge because it's probably going to be easier to be consumed by someone who's closer to their clients than someone who's like this like money management stock guy on Wall Street who you're just one of a million people. Exactly. And I think it's intimidating at that point too. 
when you're trying to learn from like the Ray Dalio, cause it's like, they have so much knowledge inside their head. And for you to try to decipher that knowledge, it, it you get nothing from it. But you being close to Jeff, Jeff is probably, can probably break it down saying, Hey, this is all you have to do. And it's that simple. And even on top of that, it's like the Ray Dalio and whatever I'm starting to kind of, you know, the closer you are to your client's current position, the more you're going to understand where they are and help them make that gap. And just like any company or any entrepreneur, like, you know, as we grow and become successful, it's like harder for me to relate with people that have like no money or that are just starting out in their business. And that's why our even customer avatar has transformed from someone who like beginning of scaling systems was like, maybe they, they just had a business idea and we help them. Now it's like, you need to be doing a certain amount of revenue. You need to be having at least one good case study, proof of concept. So like we're changing who we're helping with so that we can kind of keep that moving essentially dynamic of who I am and who I'm helping at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with scaling with systems, do you plan to just keep creating a better course, a better program every single year, eventually get to like, I don't know, (laughs) 30.0. That's a good question. So like I said earlier, the, and I don't even know, because I honestly, I love 2.0, just the name 2.0 just rolls off the tongue yeah. so well. 3.0 just doesn't sound so nice. So <laughs> I was even talking to my COO yesterday, I was like, I don't even know if I'll, if I'll create a whole buzz about it. I might just replace the videos and not tell anybody and just have it be 2.0. <laughs> but um, no, I don't think that I'll, it'll be 30.0. Like, the cool thing about running, a, like, especially some of the stuff we teach inside scaling systems, the cool thing about running a really lean, mean company is that you can pivot really quickly, really easily. Exactly. And so when COVID happened and all the lockdown happened, we actually had some of our best months because we were able to pivot and, and move based on what was the need of the market at the time. And so I do see after we emerge from this, essentially whatever it is, right? I guess, I think Jeff sent me, we actually officially hit a recession the other day, but whenever mm-hmm. we emerge from the deflationary period, whatever is about to come in the COVID, whatever is about to happen. I think there's gonna be different needs in the marketplace than there are right now. And I'm building something right now that's, that, that is predicated on those needs emerging that I have time because I have the systems in my company to build out. But I am taking a little bit of a bet right now that I'm, gonna, I'm creating something that, that no one's really doing in the marketplace right now that post all of this going down is going to be a really huge need. And that's more of a service space than essentially scaling with systems, which is it's a mixture between a consulting and a service-based business. But this right. one would be pretty much a pure, purely service-based business. And I see that being really, really big in the future. So, you know, it, I have not even totally ironed out my long-term plans as well. I love what I do. I love helping people. We run a very profitable company. I love helping other people who run really profitable companies. But at some point, I do want to exit a company as well, right? So I've built multiple companies, but I've never exited one before. And right. scaling with systems is going to be kind of hard to exit because I'm such an integral part of it. Right, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm the face of it essentially, which I like, but there's drawbacks to it. So my my goal here is when you talk about you know long term, five, ten years, whatever, scale is three would really be more along the lines of building a company, something built to sell, and essentially I'd be able to remove myself from and sell it and have some kind of two to five times revenue evaluation on it. Yeah, and I think you hit on a good point there. So full transparency for what we're doing, we're actually creating a software. Uh, Trusty and I, outside of what we're doing predominantly we're working with software developers to create a a software that houses finance accounting and merchant processing solutions all in one essentially right. trying to create this financial software empire gonna try to compete with Intuit, but that's off, obviously a lofty goal that's a very long-term play but i do think when you get into this space we've met with consultants and they always say when you start something like this 
you have to have a exit strategy because you, you can't just work somewhere for forever and then you just die, right? I mean, what's your plan with it? So our plan is to try to sell it, but you know, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. You know, how do you begin to think around that? You start something, you maybe want to exit it one day. So how does that change how you build it today? If that makes sense. An awesome question. There's a great book called Built to Sell. If you haven't read it yet, I really recommend getting it. Yeah. Uh, really, really kick-ass book. And that'll go a lot more in depth in it than I will. And once again, I'm, I'm the most honest person when it comes to this kind of stuff. I have not sold a company yet, so I can't tell you 100%. But some of my really close friends have sold eight-figure and nine-figure companies, and I've been a part of that process. And so one of the things I know that you should do, and this is just good and good business practice in general, but in the beginning of any business, the, the quickest and easiest ones you're going to get are friends and family, right? Or, or just a personal network. So whenever you launch a software, calling up every old podcast rep that you, or uh, guest that you had on here, seeing if they had any clients that could use it, if they want to use it, your friends, your family, local network, whatever it is, right? Those are really great for getting quick momentum off the ground, getting some testimonials, getting some case studies, ironing out the bugs. But I think when you're, you're planning to sell something, a few things need to happen. Number one, the biggest thing is you need to make sure you're fully removed from the company so that you're a true CEO and a visionary on the company and you're not like integral in every single part of the company or you're not going to be able to remove. When you sell it, you're going to have to sign a contract that you're on for three years after that because they don't even know how the fuck to remove you from it, which is you're just pretty much a job at that point. Mm -hmm. and, and if you look, listen, to, there's a great podcast called How I Built This with Guy Raz on NPR and he talks about like you'll hear a lot of the guys that make big, big exits in some really big companies end up hating it because the next three, five years after that, they're like working for the guy that bought them, bought their company. So right. removing yourself as, from it as quickly uh, and effectively as possible, I think is a big part. And the second one is even more important than the first one is creating a predictable revenue machine that is leveraging outbound lead generation in order to uh, bring you consistent cash flow. So what I mean by that is there's another great book out there called Predictable Revenue by um, Aaron Ross, and he talks about nets, seeds, and spears. And so nets are like what your uh, inbound marketing campaign, so it'd be like Facebook ads, Google ads, whatever it is, um, uh, that kind of stuff where you're essentially just saying a wide net, hey, they have interest in finance, they have interest in software, uh, let's show them our ads, let's show them our landing pages. Mm -hmm. Seeds are like really, really great pieces of content. So this is a piece of seed right here. Your whole podcast are seeds. Uh, your blog articles, YouTube videos, those are all seeds. Where Those take a while to sprout. But if you have one of these things hit really big, it could be bringing you clients for years and years to come, kind of evergreen content. And then spears, which is something that people actually forget about all the time. And it's something that they never do. It's some, some kind of crazy number, like 86% of companies in the Fortune 500 don't have outbound marketing teams. But Spears, and this is something that I'm working on, one of the things I talked about that I'm predicting in the future, is setting up a predictable system of outbound leads that are coming in. And outbound leads are setting up outbound sales reps that are fully dedicated to just outbound messaging and getting appointments on the calendar. Then you have inbound sales reps that take the leads from the outbound sales reps once they've been pre-qualified and they close the deal. So you got mm -hmm. people that are closing full-time and then you have people that are pitching, setting up the people to close full-time as well. And if you can do a nice little combination of uh, seed spheres and nets, then you'll be able to have, you know, on average month, month over month or year over year growth in the U S for economy uh, com company can be anywhere from five to 15%, right? This is how you're seeing month over month, 100, 300, 400% growth is once you install stuff like this. So the real idea would be to, 
to start with your local network, get some really quick wins, a little bit of money, some capital. Once again, I don't believe in outside capital. I think it's a fucking poison. I really don't believe it. If you can't make it with your own money, then it, you sh it shouldn't be a company. Right. Uh, every one of the companies I've created has been from uh, $0 bootstrapped. So uh, you use the, you prove the model, you get a little bit of capital from your friends and family from them buying in your product because you actually need it. You iron out the bugs and then as quickly as possible, you build a machine that is doing 3,000 to 5,000 pieces of outreach a day that's doing all these qualifying calls, demo calls, you have paid ads going on, retargeting all these people. And then if you can just consistently have, if you have 10 appointments in your calendar every single day within the first 30 days of your company, like you're gonna be a fucking rocket ship taking off. And then right. it's just all about scaling up different areas of that kind of process. Um, and then that's, if you're trying to sell yourself, if you can show that you've been consistently growing 50, let's just say to be conservative, 30 to 50% month over month instead of year over year, um, it'll be very easy to sell it. And then if you can prove that you have a duplicatable lead generation system that doesn't require you or your personal brand, right? So like your podcast would not be a part of it because like you're removing yourself from it. Right. So it has to be something that you're not involved in, but you have a duplicatable process to get appointments to the calendar. Then it becomes incredibly easy to sell the company. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's uh, really good advice, especially not only for me because I mean I'm taking notes right here too. But for anyone out there listening, I mean, I think people start a business just to start it because it's a good idea. And they, but what's the plan, right? You start making money, you start making a lot of money, then you're spending 18 hour days, and then they go to your course and they're like, oh, I don't need to do this. But it's <laughs> like, okay, you got you got to exit at some point if you really want to. You can't just work there and then die at your desk and then you're good. But to take a little detour here, I can't help but notice, and I'm sure a lot of people are like this, you have a lot of energy, a ton of fucking energy. I think everybody knows that. And not only like I've watched your YouTube videos, I've uh, listened to podcasts you've been, on, you've been on my podcast, I've seen your content. What drives you? I mean, obviously, you know, I think money drives everyone to an extent, but it's always deeper than that. So what, what it, why? why? Why are you working so hard and doing so much at such a young age? Yeah, that's an awesome question, and I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, I'm actually losing my voice because I've been like hard today. I've been going hard. I have another one all day. Yeah, <laughs> I've been hiring fair, like I told you tonight too. So it's yeah. gonna be a long day. But um, it's an awesome question, and I appreciate you noticing that. For me personally, I don't really know. I can't trace it back what it is, but whether it's reading, practice courses I bought, whatever it is, I, I have a. I am gifted with the really innate ability to be able to identify where a business's weaknesses are when it comes to scaling. Like what, what, you know, most business owners have no idea how to scale. And even if they think they have an idea, a lot of the times they notice they're, they're worried about the wrong thing, right? They're worried about the back end where they should be worried about the front end. They're worried about the front end where they should be worried about the back end, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I don't know what it is, but I was really gifted with a good ability to be able to read that and then essentially translate that into a actionable steps for my clients to take. And that's why we've had some really incredible success stories, including your partner, John, at Scaling With Systems is because I've been able to relay that. And it's just almost this feedback loop where it's like, I love building and scaling businesses, so I already enjoy what I'm doing. Then I help other people, I, I explain to other people how they can build and scale their businesses, and then they do it, and then they make a lot of money, and then they spend more time with their kids and more time with their family, and like they, it saves marriages, it saves relationships, mm -hmm. Then they come back and shoot me a video testimonial or leave me a Google review or refer to me to other clients, and then it just confirms that I'm doing the right thing and I'm in the right place, and then it's just like, I, so I do more of it, and then I get that compounds, and then we're doing lead generation, so, I'm, so it's just like, for me, 
I really love it. And then the marketplace seems to really love it as well. And it just, you know, if I wasn't good at it, then I wouldn't be this excited at it. Right. And if I wasn't getting results at it, then I wouldn't be this excited about it. Right. We all hate three, a lot of reasons why we hate shit is just cause we're bad at it. Like that's like the reason I hated stocks was just cause I didn't know what the fuck <laughs> stocks were and how to use it. Right. And now that Jeff told me how to dollar cost average, I'm like, I'm gonna have a hundred million dollars compounded in interest like in 40 years, like no doubt right. about it. So um, for me, I just love helping other people grow and scale companies. I get a lot of pleasure from it. And um, my why, you know, I, I take care of my, my dad and my mom. Um, so like that's been really a blessing for me uh, that I've been able to kind of almost mini retire them early. My mom, my dad is, my mom, she has like a little side like hummus business she's doing for fun. Um, <laughs> but like kind of mini retire them that, that, and they don't have to worry about money anymore. And then also like, you know, the real why came out when, COVID happened. And a lot of my friends, a lot of my family that I'm very close with, all of their income just dried up. And I'm over here having my best months yet. And so I was able to really give loans out and help some people I really cared about who were there for me when I was struggling, when I had dropped out of law school or when I was even in college, they loaned me some money. I was able to kind of repay the favor in kind. So um, it's a, I think it's a combination of a lot of that stuff. But if I really had to boil it down to anything, I think it's just that I love what I do. I love what I do so much. And I was listening to Tony Robbins the other day, and I actually made a post about it yesterday. I don't know if you follow me on social media, but um, and Tony Robbins said the reason why a lot of people fail in life is they look for work-life balance. Uh, and he said work-life balance is a joke because you're pretty much saying I have to sacrifice one thing to to have the other. Right? They're not code. Um, they're, you can't mix them together. Exist. Yeah. Exactly. And. Uh, and he said, instead, you need to look for work-life integration, where you love what you do so much that you attract other people that love what you do as well, and everyone can reap the hard work and the benefits together. So whether it's like flying to Cabo and shooting content there with my best friends and like having a good time and that's all a work trip, or working at a house full of other entrepreneurs, or finding like somebody else, like a, a, a mate uh, that is like interested in the same stuff that I'm interested in as well, instead of having to to like, okay, I, I have to stop and put down my computer and close the screen because now is this other part of my life. So I've been really blessed that, and it's maybe because I'm young and like I don't have like, you know, kids and all that other stuff that like I, I have the ability to be able to adapt like that. But I think I've just created an environment around me where um, I'm able to integrate a lot of the fun stuff of, of personal lives and business together into one thing. And it just, once again, fuels this whole fire of what I do. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Bezos is the same thing. His is work-life harmony where yeah. they, they, they co-mingle and, and work. And, and I had that conversation with, I can't remember who it was now, but the fact of the matter is you're right. I mean, if you look at a balance scale, they're separate. So if you're going to put energy over here, it takes it away from here and then vice versa. So Jeff Bezos even said in his book, The Everything Store, he even said mm -hmm. that in his interviews, when he first, first thousand hires for Amazon, he hired them all himself. He said that if he asked somebody, uh, work-life balance or they asked him about work-life balance whatever it is he never he didn't ever give him the job he didn't extend yeah. them the offer yeah because uh, if you're worried about like is this like can i have my personal life he's like this is everything this is going to be everything for you right? yeah and the first thousand employees were rewarded very handsomely that's here yeah. So, yeah now i don't want people to think that you can't make a lot of money by believing in work-life balance because you can but i think that it does make it significantly more difficult because I'm married and sometimes full transparency, I do have to close the laptop and spend time. 
but she also understands because I can talk to her about things that are work related and I take it back and I implement those ideas that I got to talk about through her. She was kind of like my wall that I just talked to. However, if I were to never talk about work at all with her and close the laptop, work's done for the day, not going back till 6, 7 a.m. tomorrow, it would be really fucking hard. Yeah. Because I, I think that uh, you, you have to train yourself to harmonize both, to let them both coexist. And, and I, I, when you said that at the beginning too, like you make a lot of money doing work-life balance. Like the reason I was talking about the work-life balancing wasn't to make a whole lot of money. That's not the purpose of me yeah. saying work-life integration. Actually, it's the opposite. Like I think anybody can make a lot of money. I don't think that making money is really that impressive of a skill if I'm being honest with you. It's like very easy to do actually. Yeah. Um, I think that making money and love what you're doing and Happiness. have the energy that, yeah. Like yeah. that is, impressive if you can do something that you're making a lot of money and you actually really love it every single day and you're not like you know mm-hmm. there's this saying that's like a salary is pretty much how much you're willing to get paid to give up on your dreams right so exactly. it's like like if you're able to do what you love and make money from it that's what's impressive to me and that's what I meant by the whole work-life balance is like uh, that that would just have the notion that you can't essentially have them both have what you want and the personal life and have them both together in one uh, and you, the cool thing about you, man, is like you have a different side of it, right? I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. So uh, I don't know the other side of it as well. But Tony Robbins, he was talking about it as well. Like when he would travel around the world, like now he has obviously private jets and uh, right. you know, obviously estates everywhere. But he's like in the beginning, it was the wife, the kids, the baby. We we're all sitting in coach and we we're like flying place to place and coach on these planes. Uh, and so, you know, it sounds like you're doing it as well. But I imagine my wife and my future family, they're going to be real. like, look at Grant Cardone, right? Um, whatever he's doing right now, whether you intense like or not. Yeah. What, he does a really great job. Yeah. I went to 10X last year and he had his wife come, come on stage, share the same stage with like, um, you know, Steve Harvey and all these other epic people. Yeah. It was like Floyd Mayweather, Kevin Hart was yeah. there. And his wife spoke, and then his little daughters came on stage, and they spoke in front of 35,000 people, these little girls, like, 8 and 11 years old. And, like, that's what I would like my family to be like as well, right? It's like, you know, they're a part of the whole thing, and if you include them, and Elena Cardone has a lot of good YouTube videos and a lot of good uh, books on this, but it's like you said it really well. Like, you you, you might close your computer, and you go spend time with your wife. I believe in that. But you're, the conversation about business is continuing, right? And now she can be a part of it, give her input, and you're getting a whole other side of somebody that, like, you know, she's not biased to all the cognitive bias that you have on your when you're working on your business. She doesn't have those, so she's able to give you a fresh perspective. And then whenever you do come back to work, you're able to kind of implement that from another person's point of view. Exactly, exactly. And another point to that is, so last November, I went to Vegas to a conference. I was all about podcasting. Mark Brazil was there, Bradley, Dan Flashman, like some big players are there and she wanted to come with me. So even that, you know, I would never ask her, like she didn't ask to be put into this at all because I think when you're an entrepreneur, like you do kind of have to work a lot and you do have to sacrifice things, but she didn't ask for that, but she wants to be involved. And that's what I love the most is like for those of you who don't have a soulmate or a wife or a husband or whatever, you, you have to know, like if you start dating someone and they are trying to pull you away from scaling with systems, you're going to know, okay, probably not the no shot. No. Yeah, exactly. Zero chance. Exactly. Zero chance of this happening. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. when you have someone that wants to sit behind you right there and, I don't know, help you brainstorm scaling systems 2.5, since you like the 2.0 so much, then uh, th- that's the one, right? You want someone that supports you in every single endeavor that you have, and it's hard to find. I just got really lucky because it happened so early. 
And, and on top of that as well, it's like, they don't even have to necessarily do the business stuff with me. But like, if it's like, they know that I'm working all day and like, I'm not, once again, I'm not being this like misogynistic asshole as well. Like saying right. it at all, but like, right. if they know that I'm, they want to help me out be like making me the meals so that I can actually focus on building business or they want to help me out by like, you know, whatever other tasks I need to be doing or worrying about making sure our house is taken care of or whatever else it is. Right. And this could be, if I was the guy, the, uh, the guy and then the woman was running the incredible business, I would do the same thing for her. Cause I'm like, okay, he, like they, I want to support them. I want to. And so that's, I'm looking for someone that together we're better and like two equals four and not two plus two equals one. I see in relationships, which is like one person who's essentially dragging you down uh, whatever yeah. it is. So I don't even need someone that's like has to know funnels and advertising and lead generation <laughs> and consulting. Like that'll be very hard. And if yeah. you're out there and you're a woman, like, you know, send hey. sign to my DMs. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, if you know all this stuff, uh, and, and it, there, I know obviously there's a lot out there as well. I just don't do any dating, but, um, well, e-harmony. I, I think it's harmony. I think yeah. if you can find someone that just supports you and, 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 uh -huh. and every side of it, whether it's like, Hey, I need to go to Vegas for this conference and she can't go, but she's like, Hey, go make us some money, best of luck. And she's not like, no, you can't go. You know what I mean? Right. So I just see that different aspect of it. Uh, and I think that's like, I just, like I said, two plus two equals four, not two plus two equals one. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's definitely one of those things where you just know, you, you know, from the get go, you feel it. And for me, when we started dating, I, I hadn't even begun my entrepreneurial journey. I still worked at uh, UBS, which is a global investment bank. That's where I work. And, but when I wanted to start something, she was like, do it. Let's go. About it. So if you look at Jeff Bezos, that's his, another really great credit to his wife. A lot of people like are like, oh, she's a gold digger. She wants a divorce. She's, she's so lucky. She's leaving with all these billions of dollars. Like, yeah, of course, once again, it goes back to the, even people are listening to this and they're getting offended right now. Like and it goes back to people just jumping into assumptions without any kind of any, any idea of anything. Right. Mm -hmm. If you actually read Jeff Bezos' book, the everything store, like she she was working at the same firm that he was working at that they met at when he was making multiple six figures a year in this safe salary investment banking job. And uh, he said, look, I'm going to give up this to build this Amazon store, but we're not going to have any money. And like, we're going to be poor. And, and, and she said, I think we should do it. And I, I, I'm a hundred percent behind you. And she, it was the one that literally they both got in the car and traveled across country to California and they lived out of the car for a few weeks yep. while he was building this business with no money. And then she was the one fulfilling the, the orders in the garage when they were, the Amazon started. So it's like, yeah, that's someone you need is someone who's like there for you on that stuff. Right. And people are like, Oh, she's so lucky. She got these billions of dollars. It's like she put in the fucking work. Like who knows if Amazon would have even, if she said no, then Amazon wouldn't even be here today. Right. If she exactly. wasn't there supportive in the beginning. So she was a huge part of the whole thing and she got yeah. a, a rewarded handsomely for it. So, um, yeah, like that's what I want. I want someone that's like, they, if, if we're in the highs, the highs, we're making millions of dollars, they're there. And if we're fucking lose everything tomorrow and we were at zero, they're there to help me build it back up again. Right. That's, that's essentially who I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's all about finding that lifelong partner. And a lot of people don't know that about Jeff Bezos cause he's worth $130 billion now and they're divorced. However, she was there when he was not worth $130 billion. So yep. same with Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg's kind of a, outlier for all that but uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man so we'll go ahead and get wrapping up uh i think we talked about a lot here about a lot of different things but i think what i want to end on is systems and processes your your core belief behind everything you do to scale companies so if i'm a new entrepreneur 
what, what is the first thing I should systemize? Because maybe I don't have the money to hire a VA, even though they're cheap. Maybe I just don't, I'm not comfortable with it yet. What's the first thing I systemize? So the first thing you do is, is like I said in the beginning, and I think I've kind of answered this question throughout the whole podcast, but I'll summarize it here, right? So the first thing you do is you identify a need in the marketplace. And I think a big mistake people make is wants and needs, right? So like, right. so I almost posted in my story of the day, but once it, I just have, I, I've noticed more and more all these like soft people that whenever I post something that's like remotely not like all happy, they're like, how can you say this? Anyway, so this guy posted in this group and he's like, hey, I'm launching this new company and it's, uh, it's this new way that you can have, buy this thing and you can make it so your shoes don't make so much noise in your washer and dryer. Right. And like he posted this thing in this group and everybody liked it. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so cool. And I almost reposted it when took his name out in his face. But I wanted to be like, this is the difference between a want and a need in an in a economy, right? That's a want. Like to make less noise with my shoes. Everyone has been putting their shoes in the washer and dryer for fucking who knows how long, right? 50 exactly. years, 100 years, who knows? And like it's a little bit of an inconvenience. Is it like a hundred? Because I think his product is like a hundred dollars. Is it something I'd be willing to pay a hundred dollars to fix? I mean, no, and I make good money. Like, I'm like, I don't really care that much about it, right? <laughs> so the idea here is like identify an actual need, like a pain point, like, like really bad that people in the marketplace, that's how you can see really exponential growth is like they need it really bad right now. Like that's why Scaling the Systems works is because we help people who need to scale their company. They need more money, right? They have to pay bills, whatever the fuck it is. Um, so they need that to happen. So the first thing is to identify a need that's urgent in the marketplace and not just uh, something that's nice to have. Second thing is to uh, sell it before you create it. So find people that are actually willing to pay for it, whatever it is. Offer a guarantee if you're worried about like delivering on an offer. Hey, if I don't give it to you, I'll give you all your money back. So sell it before you actually create it. So not only do you identify a need, but then you identify that you're the person that can take care of that need by taking other people's money. Right. And then once you have done that, then you're gonna really, I would say arguably, I usually don't say this, but the real systemizing, first systemization will come with the product or service delivery. So once someone says, yes, I'm interested, how, what does that process look like? Exactly. Ideally, it should be a very, very short uh, process that's not, uh, that doesn't fluctuate much. It's not customizable, right? Hey, you tell, most companies say, hey, what do you want? We'll fix it for you. Scalable companies say, hey, here's what we do and here's how it's going to help you, right? So it's like, it's the same process or system or offer or service every single time. So you duplicate that back end so that if you close 100 people this week, you would have no issues delivering. And then you systemize the front end, right? How do I create a machine? How do I create predictable uh, appointments, whether it's through virtual assistants, paid advertising, YouTube, organic, have that all coming in? How do I funnel all those people? How do I set up a qualifying call, a demo call? How do I warm them up, have them consume content before the call? And then once I close them, then they hit that back end system to wherever it delivers. And if you're able to have that like back end to wherever you can take on an unlimited amount of clients, and a front end that just keeps on funneling clients in, then the only thing you do is essentially sales, and then eventually you hire somebody out to do that process for you, and now you're the true CEO or a business owner of your company. I mean, I think you probably just basically built people's businesses for them through that. So. <laughs> so, I know, yeah, I know, right? I know, that was Scaling Systems 1.0 you just gave away. <laughs> that really was, yeah, that really was. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Uh, this is a lot of value. I'm sure we'll have you on for a third. I'll make sure you're the first third too, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, all the same, Ravi Bavala, R-A-V-I-A-B-U-V-A-L-A. You can just, uh, I'm sure Brady will post my links down below. Yeah. Type my name in the search bar, any one of those. Send me a message if you listen to this and you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, ideas. 
Um, and also, if you guys want to know anything more about Scaling with Systems or how, what we do or how we help other people, you can just go to scalingwithsystems.com. Spelled it exactly like it sounds. Um, there's a free course on there that I, it's like a 10-module course on how I scaled my company. I'll put another free training and you can you speak with our team if you want to. Yeah, reach out to Ravi. Let him know what you thought about the episode. I'm also going to put uh, your link to actually book a call with you. Because, awesome. listen, Ravi's a fucking beast. And this is the second interview you've been on. I wouldn't have you on twice if I didn't think you weren't a beast. So he knows what he's talking about. You don't have to hop on the call and expect to just hand over cash right away. But let him tell you face-to-face what he can do for you. Because I think it really will help. So, but also, man, I appreciate your time. Uh, until next time. Thanks, Brady. Thanks for listening. I post episodes every Monday and Thursday at 6 a.m. Central Time, and they're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcasting platform. Check out our social media linked in the description and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.